times a week we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 48. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. Today we're going to talk about um, a lesson Ruth is going to hopefully teach today, right? Building right? a decimal. And some things build that Build a decimal. Is that like build a bear? Yes, exactly like build a bear. <laughs> exactly like build a bear. Um, they have long lines and mommies fighting to get in front of each other. Exactly. Wouldn't that be awesome to have long lines for decimals? <laughs> yes. Yes. Keep open there. I don't there. want the disappointed parents when they get to the counter and yeah. you don't have the decimal for the price they wanted. <laughs> We're also going to talk about um, some things that have come up with Number Talks, like some uh, troubleshooting with Number Talks. And number Talks then... came up in a discussion I had yesterday. What? Yeah. That's awesome. We were sitting around the... T- Is this time for this discussion or do I have to wait till later? Let me just tell you the third thing and then you just go for it. Okay, good. Okay. The third thing is um, introducing subtraction with regrouping with base 10 models. So that's the third thing that's coming up. Okay, go. That was not nearly as fun as the other one. Well, anyway, well then tell us. Number Talks. Yesterday yeah. we were sitting around the table. I... Um, we had a guest speaker in on campus yesterday to talk to college faculty. Okay. And we were sitting around at lunch, me, my boss, and the speaker after one of the sessions. And we were, you know, partially trying to just eat in peace because there had been so many people there all morning. Yeah. And we were talking about different things and the difference between, um, not the difference between quantitative and qualitative, but certain areas of study that are more qualitative in certain areas of study that are more quantitative. Okay. And math being one that's usually more quantitative. And we were all musicians or sociologists in that circle, okay. which is a qualitative field. And so it was interesting. I was I was talking how you had taken or you had been working with this new idea in math education number talks where you're taking what is normally quantitative data, but trying to look at it qualitatively by if a student is you can't always tell by looking at students' work if they don't know how to represent what they're thinking. You can't see the breakdown, but having, and this may not be exactly a number talk, but talking with the student and talking through the their thinking or through the processes, um, through a discussion, you can find where the breakdown is where you couldn't on paper. Cool. Is that, is that a number talk? Yeah. I mean, kind of, sort of. Yeah, because I have a student who is she's so fast. Like mm-hmm. that is what her skill is. She can solve a problem and write down the answer. But she cannot verbalize what has happened. And yeah. on Friday, I was trying to like guess, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? And all she could say was no, not that, not that. Hmm. So I would say, she has some quantitative skills, but her qualitative squ- skills, I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. Yeah. for sure that's, I don't know. She's my, I got to tap into it. I got to figure out how she's doing it. Because she can solve really complex subtraction. That's what we were doing. Subtraction of decimals. But she can't identify the strategy. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, 
All right. Well, way to bring some background knowledge into that conversation. I introduced Number Talks to her. She hadn't heard of Number Talks before. So. Awesome. Well, she was like, Number Talks. Interesting. Maybe and then she, she was probably like, he's a music professor and he works in IT. He must know something about everything. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? That's true. All right. So let's talk about your – thanks, Jay. Let's talk hey, about yeah. your um, thing you're planning for today. You started to tell me about it, and I was like, no, wait. Talk <laughs> about it on the podcast. <laughs> this is good. All right. Tell us your thinking. Okay. So I we have to do rounding. And some Both of them – decimals. With decimals. And some of them are just going to, as soon as I say, round this to the nearest tenth, they're going to get it. Right. And I I want them to be able to say, oh, this is like rounding. So I've already done the Motion Math um, app that I downloaded like five years ago. And now the app's completely different. So I really like the old version. I don't even know if the new version has what I have. But yeah. I projected my iPad onto the screen, and I just had the students notice and wonder while I played the game. Okay. So they were watching me zoom with my fingers and look at the numbers in between. Um, and then I took a day off. So now I'm coming back today. Mm -hmm. And my directions are going to be build a decimal on your desk using at least two different size blocks. You can build whatever decimal you want. Okay. okay. Do you want me to ask questions as you go along or wait till you're done? Wait till I'm done and okay. then you tell me what okay. isn't clear. And then because you have a number on your desk and you've used the rods, then I would like for you to build the number that comes to the left of it and the number that comes to the right of it but don't use rods. So I want you, in reality, to have rounded that to the nearest whole number because your rods would be your tenths. Okay. So now should I ask some questions? Yes, you should. Okay. Is everybody using this the one hole as the same block piece? Is the one hole the, the, the flat for everybody? I think to start it's going to be – the flat uh, is going to be one hole. What are you laughing at? I heard it as one hole, like H-O-L-E. I'm like, what's a one hole? <laughs> wow, Jay. <laughs> Amateur you, mistake there. How do you move that thing on the table? <laughs> wow. All right, catch back up. Decimals. Okay. Remember we talked about them for like six months last year? Yes. Remember? Okay. All right. They're back. So uh, I, I, I just have to say that um, uh, my – a teacher in my building asked for some decimal um, resources, and I was like, oh, do I have decimal, oh, resources? I got some decimal resources? And I went to the podcast and search on the episode list and searched decimals, and I was like, whew, I can't send her all these. There are so many episodes where we talked about decimals last year, so I sent her a few of my favorites. Um, okay, my next question is... Let me let me like play it through and pretend that I'm trying to do this assignment. Awesome. Okay, so if I built, well, do you care if it's bigger than one? It probably should be. No, it's I don't care. So it can be bigger than one or smaller than mm -hmm. one, either one. Okay, so let's say that I built sixty two hundredths, and I'm going to build it zero and sixty two hundredths. I'm going to build it with six tenths, and I'm going to use. Two hundredths, and that, so that looks like six rods and two units. Okay. Okay. Right. Now you said build. The word you said was build the number 
on either side of it. And that is throwing me off because I'm thinking, well, there are infinite numbers of, of, of decimals on both sides. So my, my, I assumed you meant build zero and 61 hundredths and zero and 62 hundredths since I was counting by hundredths. So that's what I originally thought you meant until you qualified it some more. So, and, and then you said without your smallest piece or 63 hundredths, I think I might've said that wrong. So then I would have been like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to build zero and 61 hundredths without using any hundredths pieces. So that's where I, that's where I got stuck when you originally explained this to me. Yeah, me too. Really? That's what you thought? No, I wasn't following along. <laughs> okay. So do I... I was still trying to find the one hole. <laughs> <laughs> do I give you direction? I don't know. What if you build 62 hundredths and then I get up and, or I make you get up and go to the next person's desk and I ask you this series of questions. What is the smallest block they used? You must build two numbers that the number they comes between. Wait. Okay, so my directions aren't clear, so I have to clarify them. Okay. If the directions are to build a number using your base 10 blocks, everybody uses one, one flat as your one hole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... You've built the number 62 hundredths, and you're trying to predict what numbers are going to go between it, or what number it's, it goes between, and you already have 61 and 63, and now because I've said you can't use the smallest block, you're confused. Does it help you if you go to a desk where someone has a completely different number? So now you've moved to the desk beside yours, and... They've built, oh, I don't know, they've built one and seven-tenths. I don't know how to give the direction so that you would build a one to the left of it and a two to the right of it. Yeah. So what you, going Those back. Are the whole numbers on either side. Mm -hmm. But in her 6200s category, they would be tenths on the other side. She would build six-tenths and seven-tenths. Like what two tenths uh, does sixty two hundredths come between? Do we do one where everybody has to build use some use some flats, use some tenths, and use some hundredths and build a number and now model the two numbers using only flats to the left and right of it? So now everybody's desk is the decimal number to the nearest hole. Like, do I make everybody kind of do the same type of number and give more specific directions? Well, I guess I just was thinking I understood what you wanted me to do once – this was like a long time – you know, a long time ago, 20 minutes ago when we were talking about <laughs> it – when you gave an example. So perhaps just an example would be enough. I was about to say, could you draw one or two on the board so they see what you're looking getting at? And then it would that throw. I don't know if that would throw off the the goal of the right the discovery part of it, but yeah. maybe not. I mean, 
It's funny that this is what I'm struggling with because I did my surveys where you ask the students, like, what kind of a teacher you are. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions is she gives clear directions. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you don't think that you strongly agree with that, I'd really like for you to think about an assignment that you didn't have clear directions. And they all pinpointed the exact same direction. It was just kind of like, oh, and I mean, I'm not all of them. Not everyone marked it, but every kid who was like, eh, they all picked the same assignment. Is that this year? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. So we have, our principal gives us these surveys and he's modified them every year so they become something you can actually use. Yeah. And so the students rank you on a scale of one to five in all of these categories. And there are certain categories they have to write something. And this year I helped them understand what the questions mean because it's the first time they've done it. And one of them is my teacher respects a student's opinions. And so I had to explain to them that if in math class, if you get the answer wrong and Mrs. E tells you you're wrong, that doesn't mean I don't respect your opinion. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wrong answers are not necessarily opinions. Yeah. Right. Do you think that's something that you'd be allowed to share? Um, probably. That'd be cool. If yeah. if you're able to, let's post that. So the idea behind it is that I look at what the students identified and then usually we do it at the end of the year. And so I explained to the students, Mr. Caps had this idea that if you do the surveys and you really give me some ideas of what I can do to change, well, you'll be the ones who benefit from it mm-hmm. instead of just making me be a better teacher next year. Yeah. And so, you know, you they're sixth graders, so play more games you know, tell more story. And it's when you turn it into the principal, you have to write what, what was going on in your class when you did it. Like I gave it the day after the QMAT. Mm-hmm. And so if you didn't do well or you didn't feel like you did well, then maybe your numbers are lower. And yeah. you have to get to a point where you can not take everything personally. Right. Because hello, we teach math. And so Sometimes just because you don't like math means that you are going to strongly disagree with every single thing yeah. <laughs> and give the teacher all ones. But I told the students that. I said, if you give me all ones, I just put it in the trash. <laughs> and they're anonymous, but I can't gain anything from that. Mm-hmm. I can't pick up what you what I could change if mm-hmm. everything I do is bad. Mm-hmm. And same thing if everything I do is good. I can't cha- I can't pick up something. Yeah. So I'd really like for you to decide what you want me to fix. <laughs> cool. So. Okay. Yeah. So how are we going to get them to do I think I'll model it, but I think and we could just then go to the next we could do the rotation and you could build a number and someone could put the two that it comes between it. Um I actually had been thinking about this activity for a while, but I was like, I don't know what to do with the students who already know how to round and how to identify the location of a decimal. Um, But then I feel like I get myself completely overwhelmed with trying to meet the needs of every single student and Mm -hmm. have stations or different things every single day, you know, and Maybe this is going to lead into the next part of our, you know, number two on our podcast. But that's where I, the whole number talk thing, I would have absolutely thought that the students who I had identified because of their decimal pre-assessment as 
ready to do something different, Mm -hmm. would have been able to help me get through that horrible number talk. Yeah. And they were just looking at me like, I don't know what to say. So tell, tell, talk about that number talk. You, you texted me in the middle of the day, like, OMG, what is this? (laughs) So, uh, oh, we, it started, it didn't even, I didn't even start it to be in a number talk. I started with a, which one doesn't belong that I had found with base 10 blocks. Mm -hmm. And the teacher who posted it had written this whole thing about how you don't have to use which one doesn't belong, the four things as that. And this particular one lended itself better with which two are the most similar and which two are the most different. Hmm. And it was just a different way to do it. So was that a a Twitter, like, was um, it a tweet or a... It wasn't a tweet. I actually Googled base 10... Which one doesn't belong? Base 10 blocks. Okay. Because I wanted someone who had done something with it. Right. And this particular teacher had modeled seven tenths, one in seven tenths, one in seven hundredths, mm-hmm. and seventeen hundredths. Okay. Those were her. And so I totally understand if she would have said which one doesn't belong, they would have said this one because it has one tenth. This one because, you know, and yeah. it wouldn't have lended itself to mathematical reasoning like which two are the most similar and which two are the most different and so we got into like i'm not um, sure i understand how two can be more similar and more different well it's fun to like listen to them so that's fun yes so we got someone said seven tenths and one and seven tenths are the most similar because they're both three tenths away from the next hole okay that's pretty good Mm -hmm. and then someone else lots of students said one and seven tenths and one and seven hundredths are the most similar because they're both greater than one. Um, and then once we act, and that was just looking at the blocks, but once we wrote the numerical or wrote it in standard form, more students were like, oh, now I can see how they're alike. Now mm-hmm. I can see how they're different. And so the ones that were the most different were one and seven tenths. And seventeen hundreds, because they're the furthest apart. That's cool. Most different. They they have the most diff- biggest difference. Yeah, we went to that. Yeah. So then we talked about difference. We talked about range, um, and then I asked them, "What's the difference?" Mm-hmm. So, could you please find the difference between one and seven tenths and seventeen hundreds? <laughs> One there. and seven tenths, and I'm going to write it down. Okay. And 1700. Okay. And you still have kids who are like, the difference is that mm-hmm. there is a one in the tenths place. Yeah. Uh. JJ's pulling up his calculator. <laughs> Whoops. Sorry. <laughs> Dang. Tracy looks like a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> it's pirate day, y'all. Dress like a pirate day. Uh, okay. I want to make sure I get it right. Okay. That's fine. Go so, ahead. As they're solving the problem, I'm walking around to look at it on their paper. And every single student, except for the one that I previously talked about, is regrouping. Every single student. And Wait, is this the is this the one you t- you texted me? Yes. I thought it was one minus seventeen hundredths. It was really one and seven tenths. Yes. Okay. Carry on. Okay. So, um, I like okay. It looks as if everyone has one and fifty three hundredths on their paper. Mm-hmm. Is there... Did she get it right? Shut up. Is there someone who can tell me how you could get to that answer without regrouping? 
And I have six classes of sixth graders. Yeah. And I repeated this. And every single time there was not anyone who could give me something other than regrouping. And eventually I had to say, okay, let's try to figure out what you would do if I gave you 170 minus 17. Do you have a strategy for that? That's what I was thinking. Did you want them to just mentally know 70 minus 17? Well, that was a strategy that some of them gave me. Like they just said, well, I would do 70 minus 17 because I know that's 53. Well, how do you know that's 53? Well, because there's a zero and you have to change it to a 10 and you make the six and six minus one is five. Mm Mm-hmm. They're still describing it just like the algorithm. Yeah, but they just knew that they didn't have to borrow from the hundred or from the Mm -hmm. one. Um, And that's the student I was talking about. I walked over to her paper and she's the only only one all day who just had the answer written on her paper. And so I did every subtraction strategy that I ever heard (laughs) of. And she's just looking at me like, nope, nope. It was so. So you still don't know what she did. Mm -mm. Is this the student that you're like all? Is the same student that you're always all year long trying to struggle to figure out what to do, or is a different student? It's a different student. Okay. Um, they hang out together, but it's a different student. I'm still trying to figure out how you want them to figure it. I mean, what are you looking for? The what are you trying to? So some of the strategies could be. Well, I know that seventeen hundreds is. Three or I know that if I subtracted 1.7 minus 0.2, that would give me 1.5, and I'd have to put three back on. That's a little more complicated when it's decimals, but that's a strategy that you would use for 170 minus 17. Subtract 20 and put three back on the end. Okay. Or count up to 20, and then know that if you need that three to get to 20, well, how much do you need to get to 170? But or take away. I was thinking, I do it like take away the tenth first. So I'm at one one and six tenths, and then I need to go down seven more hundredths. So I'm thinking about okay, really I'm at one and sixty hundredths. I'm gonna go down seven more. I'm at one and fifty three hundredths. Okay, so I, I guess I was getting confused. You are you are going one step deeper into their computation and want to know that that. Um, strategy. So like physically in their brain, how did they do 70 minus 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that makes a little more sense. And what you're trying to get. And because- did they do something other than cross off the seven, make it a six, make the 10, make the zero a 10, you know? Yeah. Because if that's all they have, that's, this is the, like I'm trying to explain, explain this to people at school all day long. If that's all they have, that's not really showing number sense, right? Isn't that what this all boils down to? That's definitely what it boils down to. And if you're going to solve a multi-step problem, or for me, the student who wrote down 1.7 minus 17 hundredths and got 0.34, I just was like, tell me about that as I looked at her paper. And she said, well, I knew the answer couldn't be zero because they're not the same number. So I just added them. Wow. 
Yeah, welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, you've got this kid that can solve it with no, with nothing, and then a kid who doesn't even understand what's going on. But the kid who didn't understand what was going on did think about the answer and the reasonableness of it. <laughs> I just got to her before she could think about the reasonableness of her second answer. Oh, yeah. she didn't line up the decimal points. Right. Okay. Which oh, like she didn't even add right. But <laughs> I got you. Huh? Wow. So. Oh, and they're in the same class. My brain has always known the pairs of numbers equal 10. Yeah. And so that's how I do it. I, I don't go past it and back up to it. I just know that with a seven, then it's the then three and, and, mm-hmm. and figure it out that way. Yeah. So, okay, so, so tell me about that. So the seven goes with the three. So if, it, so I'm going to, I'm going to go 70 minus 17. Mm-hmm. Right. I get your three. And then what do you do mentally to know that it's 53 and not 63? years and years of getting it wrong. Hmm. It's like, I know I go like in my brain, I know it's a 10, 10 down. Mm-hmm. And then you got to go beneath that to get the pair that equals 10. Because you know, that's exactly where I would have gone. You know, my instinct when I was young would have been 63, but you know, years and years of, Oh no, that's not right. Either me figuring it out or getting it wrong on a paper you have to go down the 10 and then you have to go down again and put your, the other number that pairs to equal 10. Mm-hmm. Trip makes that mistake sometimes. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand it. I know. That was, that was mine. Yeah. And okay. So here's an, in going back to the, why should we even care? Which is again, like I'm trying to talk to teachers about if their only strategy is, cross off the tens, go down one, regrouping. Then when they get to a problem like, this was the one we were doing this week, 35 minus 28, they're going to needlessly regroup. Like that 35 minus 28 just doesn't, you don't need to do that there. You need Mm -hmm. to count up. It just makes so much more sense. Or even just 10 minus 6. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, I... (laughs) Let's not even pretend like we don't have students who regroup on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's the benefit of number talks. And the other thing that I did was uh, choral counting. Mm-hmm. I just threw one of those because I, I was having a grumpy day. <laughs> and I just was like, I don't know what you do. I don't I couldn't shake it. I don't Mm -hmm. know what was wrong with me. I got Mm -hmm. a lot of things going on at home. Maybe that was it. And so I just opened my number talks book to decimals and it said two and 32 hundreds count by tenths. And it showed you how to write it and then let the students find the patterns. And again, I'm standing up there and I told the students, I was like, listen, when I learned about this last year, I first thought, I teach middle schoolers. We don't need to skip count. We don't need to quarrel count. That's kind of babyish. I'm like, but it's actually pretty cool because we're going to see some patterns. Mm -hmm. So you can think what I thought last year, but you have to do it. (laughs) So everybody wheel your chairs right up to me. Yeah. And so there was no one in the back of the room. They literally were, because of my flexible seating, just completely in my face. Yeah. And we counted from two and 32 hundredths to four and 22 hundredths. Okay. By tenths. Uh-huh. 
And then, so imagine my columns um, counting by tenths. And when we got to three and two hundredths, I started a new column. And two and thirty-two hundredths was horizontally right beside three and thirty-two hundredths. And then there was a space because we didn't say four and thirty-two hundredths. So after we found all the patterns, I went over a little bit further and drew blanks and said, what number would go here? And it was five and 52 hundredths because mm. we were looking at the vertical pattern. We were looking at the horizontal pattern. Cool. We count by tenths this way. We count by holes this way. Mm-hmm. I Somebody raised their hand and was like, Mrs. E, you said that this was a sixth grade problem and it is because it has decimals, but it would be really easy to do in second grade if you just took the decimals out. Cool. Because the numbers look the same. Oh, mic drop. Yeah. So we, man, like coral counting really is beneficial because we were able to see those, see those patterns. Yeah. I, yeah. And how about that? Let's add a hole. Well, two and thirty-two hundredths plus one is three and thirty-two hundredths. But what percentage of my class, if I ask them that, would say two and thirty-three hundredths? Because they would just line that digit up in yeah. the ones place yeah. instead of really having number sense. Which yeah. is why it's so important to have a different strategy. Yeah, that's good. So, core counting is the way to go. There's so much value in number talks, but there will be that time. Like there was for me when I'm like, I don't even know how to make this reachable for them because you can't just keep asking the same question. How do you subtract it? How do you subtract it? And no one's responding. And so for me, I went back to something like prior knowledge, 170 minus 17. How would you do this problem? And I, yeah, it wasn't like, Oh, that's a great, but I did catch someone like yeah. someone was able to be a participant in that. So it's going to happen. You're going to be doing a number talk and you're as much as you've planned and you've used the five practices. I mean, let's just be real. Sometimes students don't have what you think they're going to have yeah, and they don't have anything to offer. And it could be that they were having a bad day and they just didn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. Or they have something to offer and they don't. They either don't think it's what you want to hear because it doesn't match those typical algorithms that we've used before mm-hmm. or they don't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Any of those things. Yeah. So I'm, I've, I've been asked that question this week. Like, what do you do? So i am um, been talking about number talks with everybody. Some people. Everybody who will stand still long enough right, to Right. Exactly. And and. It, I just know when they try it and work through a couple of those uncomfortable ones and get on the other side of it, they're going to be like, oh, I'm, I'm this, I'm, I'm bought in, you know, but they're not there yet. And so thankfully some groups have been like, we just need to see somebody do it. Okay, great. I'll come in, I'll come and walk through the ugly parts and try it, you know, with you. And so um, a kindergarten teacher asked me to do that with her. And then I was like, okay, let's do this, this, and this. And she was like, well, let's bring the whole team. Why not just, you know, you know, not just me, let's everybody do it. So I was really excited about that. And we planned to have a planning time. And then 
I would model what we planned in the class and then we'll reflect about it afterwards to kind of get them started. So we met yesterday to plan and I used this great planning document that I found from Trish Kepler. She did a presentation at NCTM. Did I share that with you? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, she had a plan. I'll check the really, show notes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a really good, simple planning document. I like it. Um, and so we were working through that and you you have to start by saying what strategy, like what's your outcome? What's your, what are you trying to get out of this? And we had, this is a long way around to my, what my problem is, but I think it's important context. Um, our, we were going to work on part, part whole because that's where they're moving next in math. Okay. Um, and then looking at the Sherry Parish book, the number talk book, it was like, okay, in kindergarten, your basic number talks are going to use one of these tools, either dot images or a rec and rec or um, five frames or 10 frames. So that's where we started. Okay, what what are we trying to teach and what tool are we going to use? So they decided that we were going to do part, part, whole, and we were going to use dot images. Um, and the teacher who's been like, who we've been talking, a different teacher, we've been talking about it. She's like, what's the point? I don't get what the point is. And she wanted to know, what do you, she's like, I've tried it last year. What do you do when they don't have any, they don't say anything. And I'm like, that's such a great question. You're exa- like, both of those questions are great. So we, I tried move to move on to social studies. No, <laughs> that's not it. That, you know, so the point is the whole part, part, whole idea. And I tried to explain that. I've been thinking about it some more, something else I'm going to go back and share with her. Like, okay, let me, let me try this out on you. See if it makes sense. If we're working part, part, whole on five, and I've showed them some different arrangements of five. It starts to build this idea after re- repeated doing this many days in a row that five is four and one or two and three, you know, or three and two and one and four. And those are the same that she's like, what's the first grade reason I'm going to do this or the second grade reason? Well, the, the reason becomes if you're going to add seven plus five when you get into first or second grade and you know that five is to show with my hands. If you know five is two and three, then you've got that ability to break the five up, put the three with the seven that you've also learned is a combo that makes 10. And then all of a sudden you've got 12. Like they need to know two and three and one and four so that they can decompose it and start to make tens. Does that make sense to anybody Mm -hmm. else? Like that's why I need to be fluent at pairs that make four and pairs that make five and kind of stuff. Got anything to say about that, JJ? You think look like you're thinking. Um, no, I, I understand the concept completely. I don't understand when this first grader is 38 years old. Why in the heck does it matter? Does it only mean he can do math quicker? What do you mean? That concept. Why do they need to know those two? I mean, how does that help them? Because it's leading to what you said your strategy is for 170 minus 17. Yeah, but that's my strategy just because it made sense in my brain. But Not because the teacher told me I needed to think that way. But it's not even – I don't even feel like a number talk is us telling you what to think. I feel like a number talk is allowing you to see that there are so many different ways to get there and – no, I don't – the number talk I understand is kind of like – but that specific that specific skill, knowing that five breaks into one and four and three and two, 
and you're making it sound like so, so vital a step of knowledge to be able to move on. Hmm. Where if I'm adding seven and five, what's the problem with me, you know? Counting on? Yeah. Or, or. Because you know. every, because every time, like when you get to nine and seven, you're still going to count on and that's not a, the most efficient way to do it. Right. I understand that, but I don't know why efficiency in math is the goal and not, I can get the answer. Hmm. If they understand the way they're doing it (laughs) and they get the answer right, I understand coming up with an answer, but not really knowing how you got there. And that's that I understand that you, when you don't comprehend how you got there and you just followed an algorithm, I can understand how that would prevent you from learning stuff down the road. Okay. But I don't know how making it the most efficient helps you down the road. Other than I know you love efficiency. Help me out here, Ruth. <laughs> so I. It's part of it's part of the definition of fluency. That's one it thing. It is right. part of the definition. And if you wait until you are in sixth grade or seventh grade where you're having multi-step problems, like I think about the pre-algebra students who are subtracting from both sides. And then they have to divide from both sides. And so they're solving these two-step equations and they have to subtract 23 from both sides of 30. And they're like regrouping inside their algebra problem and getting stuck or they're calling it 17 because 3 minus 2 is 1 and they already know they're 10s. That kind of – those kind of mistakes I feel like happen – because the student doesn't have those those strategies. So maybe the that particular example of you have to know that 2 and 3 make 5 and 1 and 4 make 5 seem trivial. But if you start at that kindergarten of building that set of strategies, then they have somewhere to go to think about strategies when they're at a higher level mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's the only thing I can think is so I understand your when you're in kindergarten and in first grade you don't have a lot of algorithms to remember mm-hmm. you can add and you can subtract and sometimes you get those mixed up but as you progress and you start regrouping and you start getting more algorithms you have more to remember And in middle school, when you have all four computations of fractions and decimals, and sometimes they're the same, but you got to remember to put a zero for this one, or you got to remember to change your denominators for this one. If we're fluent and we're able to access different strategies rather than just how to change the algorithm, Mm -hmm. we're going to become better mathematicians because you're not... Searching in your brain, like we did all that brain research when we were, I don't even know if maybe it was before you were my student teacher, we had to read this book about um, a student's brain and there was this analogy of it being like a file cabinet and you teach a student to um, add decimals and they put that in a file called add decimals. Well, they should also put it in a file called adding fractions, and they should also put it in 
a file with place value so that it's accessible in lots of different places. And I feel like that's where number talks help you know that they kind of all go together and how many different Mm. places to put that instead of just that one place Mm -hmm. that it's hanging out and, you know, when you need it. And then you're going to access it at the wrong time. Right. But if you've put it in all of those file cabinets, then it's actually the science behind it is actually connected Mm -hmm. in parts of your brain and you're able to access it more easily. So number talks helps you see that numbers go together and there are a lot of things that are the same. So I don't know if that answered your question or not. And and I, I completely see the validity of number talks and them understanding kind of behind the screen of the algorithm, what's going on. And that definitely helps them connect within the, within math and also cross-curricular within, you know, you, you can start to see connections other ways as well. I just was, I was thinking very small and very specific as to, yeah, my, my strategy is to find, is to know the pairs of numbers equal 10. Right. I created that in my brain to make, to make things work quicker Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it's important that the students know that specific skill when they could, if that works for them, they'll probably come up with it in their brain. I just didn't, I didn't understand why you're teaching that, that small of a step and why it was so important. I think it's because there are kids who will come up with it in their brain and there are kids who won't. There are kids who need to be shown that that strategy exists. Oh, well, okay. Two, this, I have two answers and I think I'm answering your question. I'm not really sure. Two, two parts are, one that the kindergarten standard says they will be fluent in the part whole relationships. Fr- this is in the Virginia SOL. Will be fluent in the part whole relationships within five. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know she's quoting that from memory. She's not reading that anywhere. Right. Yeah. And it might not be word for word, but that's the point. And they will um, investigate and recognize or something like that, investigate and something within. 10 the part whole relationships within 10 so part of it is just that the standard says that and i'm trying to explain why the standard is asking you to do that is because it's a prerequisite to you using the make 10 strategy right you know um because if you can't break the other number up to put it together with the number that you're trying to make 10 with you're never going to get there here's my other answer is that all of these strategies that we're talking about are leading towards automaticity. You are not thinking about the the picture of the numbers when you think seven and three and six and four. You're right. automatic now. Yes. But they're never going to build that if they're not first thinking of it conceptually or with models or whatever. Like you've walked through all the learning to get to the automatic part. And that's that's what we're doing, I think, in kindergarten with all this and then first grade and second grade is doing all the understanding so that it gets automatic. And a lot of times that's the gap between the parent and the student because like I just watched this like a video of somebody doing the multiplication. The teacher was teaching um, 
the grid multiplication. It's not what it's really called. Is it the box method? I don't know what the, the specific, area model. The area model. Thank you. So the teacher is teaching the area model, and his video, this parent made, is him doing the algorithm. And then he uses the algorithm and then he goes and he makes a cup of coffee and then he goes and he mows the grass and he comes back and the teacher's still teaching. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. And then his like, and she ended up adding in the end anyways. Why, why, why? Well, he's already reached that automatic, mm-hmm. you know, yes, that is the most efficient way. But there's all this prior knowledge that your child doesn't have that the teacher is building. Mm-hmm. So for you to just say, okay, we're going to add. And the way that this is the way that I did it and to not understand the benefit of it makes you feel like it's so frustrating. Why are you teaching them so many different ways? Mm-hmm. Why can't we just learn one way and practice it the way we did? That's that's where the gap is because we are automatic with our math skills and we don't remember how difficult the process was to get there. Mm-hmm. Got anything you want to say back? No. Have we? Do you, Teachers meeting. That's a question. <laughs> well, it was a good. It was a good question. It was a good yeah. question. No, I, I guess I, I understand that, and I agree that you know, giving them different, showing them different strategies, showing them different things that will be building blocks for what they're learning down the road. And yeah, I guess it was just in my brain you were stuck on that one thing. Like they couldn't get this, and I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe that's not important to them. Mm-hmm. But okay, okay. So I tried to answer that to the teacher. I don't know if she bought it either. Um, But what was so cool is one of the other teachers in kindergarten has started to do number talks already. And she's using the wreck and wreck. What? What? Yeah, I'm so excited. They're actually using those things? This teacher was. And I'm so proud of her. And she was talking about how her, her number talks this week have been, here's the wreck and wreck. And she's taught them to like cover up half of it with that you're not showing with your hand and then look at the part that's that is showing and she said show me ways that you make six and you know they would go they would put three and three or so she's like can someone even did four and two i'm so excited like it, it was just so cool um were there any fives and ones uh i don't think so oh. she didn't say there was <laughs> um but what she said was that she tried the dot number talks like a week or two or three or before ago. And she's like, the same thing happened. They didn't have any more strategies. They just said, I counted them. And that's what I knew. And so she used that line of, well, I, what I, one time I had a student that did this and she, you know, used the fake student to share it. And then, so one time I had a student that saw two dots and one dot, and they knew that two and one makes three or, you know, whatever number they were working on. And so she said, the next time that we did it, another student shared a, a strategy like that. A student kind of copied her fake strategy from a first, first mm-hmm. real strategy from a fake student and used it next time. So I think that's the that's the go to or one of the go tos if no one else has a strategy. And I shared that. And the other teachers in the room were like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And today when I lead that kindergarten number talk for the first time in the in a class, that's going to be my plan. If nobody shares, I see three here and I see one more. I'm going to say, well, I heard a student in Miss Johnson's class did blah, 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 you know. So, so um, you're lying to kids to make their math better. Yep, pretty much. Okay, cool. She's <laughs> yeah. like preparing her lie. <laughs> yeah, I got my lie all ready to go. <laughs> um, 
but I had a third grade teacher who tried um, a subtraction number talk yesterday. And kind of like you said, she w- she realized pretty quickly she was like, whoo, this we start. I started way too high. Like and so she did the exact same thing you did. She's like, OK, let's let's take it back a couple steps. And she didn't she put an addition one up on the board as soon as she realized that the subtraction was a hot mess. Um, she redid it with a addition one and everybody was using the whole like stack them on top of each other and regroup. But one kid did share add the tens and I think it I think this is what he no he like changed it to be a friendly number I think you know brought one of the numbers up to a 20 yes like that made one of the numbers a 20 and then took back what he did anyway so I'm like well tomorrow when you do it again you know say do you remember yesterday when Ashton did this strategy can anybody use Ashton's strategy and even if like that we that's the strategy we have to use for three or four number talks in a row before you know more people are, are getting it that's that's how you build their capacity and then I it think. can be the ashton rule exactly exactly we that totally i like that so what else do i want to say about that i'm a little bit nervous today about leading a kindergarten number talk for the first time but what we're going to do is they're going to the all four teachers are going to watch me do it in one class <laughs> and then we're going to go over and watch the teacher that has been doing it watch her do one with the wreck and wreck so that, i was really glad that she agreed to that so we're going to watch both before we jay you're smiling at me i can just imagine like getting up there and talking to the kids and this is and and johnny what do you think i my shoes make me run fast i know exactly i can jump high i'm totally prepared for it like what or whatever no actually i'm not prepared it's gonna be crazy but i'm gonna try my best because, you know, if I expect the teachers to do it, i got to be willing to get in there and yikes. That was right. my favorite part of teaching kindergarten. Yeah. Was, I don't know that was my favorite, but it was something I look back at and, and laugh. It's when I really had something I thought they understood. And like, my sister eats her boogers. I'm yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I just, what? You probably don't know that Jay used to teach elementary music. I did. I don't know that we said that before yeah. in the podcast, but yeah, that makes me laugh to think about you teaching a room at kindergartners. I completely understand your being nervous mm-hmm. because I did only high school and middle school music for several years and then changed jobs and all of a sudden was expected to teach kindergartners. And I remember the first day going, I don't, I'm just hoping I don't step on them. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the world? What am I going to do with these? You know, I, I went from teaching chorus to people that already knew how to sing and, you know, to like, Let's use these sticks without killing each other, yeah. and let's let's make. And this a note. was before you had kids, right? Uh, I had Adley, oh, okay. but she was a baby. But she was baby. She was yeah. like, um, 18 so you didn't months. have like that prior knowledge. Of I had never, what I, had, at home. I had never had a kindergartner at this time. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Oh my. So I I completely feel your your uh, yeah the the nerves there. So maybe next week we'll talk about how my kindergarten number awesome. talk went. Should we talk about? Do we have time to talk about subtraction? We got a few minutes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So. I also was working with a teacher this week who, kind of like we were talking about, knows the algorithm for regrouping on subtraction. Um, in in third grade in our state, you have to go up to a four-digit minus a four-digit pr- number with regrouping. And she knows – she's got the algorithm beautifully, 
Um, but she's never taught it. She hasn't taught math many years at all, and she's never taught it yet with with models. It's always just been this is how the algorithm is. And let's be honest, that's probably the situation in tons and tons and tons of classrooms. Um, so we've been working on how to model it, and then she's asking really good questions about the actual pedagogical process of like the t- this. What are the steps that you teach? with the models, you know, like, and the, and the, the concrete, you know? So first one of our questions was like, do you use the models and show the algorithm at the same time? Because one of the teachers in the unit wanted, wanted to show both. And when I was kind of like talking them through it, I was doing both because I wanted them to see the relationship between the models. You know, I was doing that as the teacher, but as the teacher of teachers, I guess. So one of her questions was, are, doing, are we using the base 10 blocks and showing the numbers at the same time? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and let you all weigh in on that. I feel strongly both ways. Really? No. So it's going to depend on your objective. Okay. Are you... And my mind is going to the um, – no, never mind. My mind's not going there because it's not even subtraction. It's division. So I'm going to take my mind somewhere else. <laughs> Sorry, mind. You've got to come this <laughs> way. metacognitive uh, wow. convo there. Sorry. Um, if I – like you're – let's say that you're going to do 300 minus 157. What is there a problem with the student who takes away the hundred first and then takes away the 50? The 50 by just putting 50 back. Like, what if they use a strategy with the base 10 blocks so they're not regrouping? With the blocks. Like if your goal is to teach them to regroup, then maybe there's merit in putting the numbers up there too. But if your goal is to provide them an opportunity to subtract, then the person who is subtracting 157 from 300 using a different strategy is going to be so confused. Mm Mm-hmm. And the teacher is going to get confused, too, if they're not, like, deep in understanding what the kid's doing. Yeah. Mm. I'm so – this is so cool that you said this because as we were practicing it with the teachers, the teacher who had the strongest grasp of what was going on started at the ones and then did the tens and then did the hundreds. And the teachers who were, like, really approaching it like a student would – started at the hundreds and took the hundreds away and one of the teachers was like no 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 you have to start at the at the ones and it created this what we what Hannah calls a math battle it created this great math battle between the two teachers like you have to start at the ones well no you don't i i started at the hundreds and i got it right it was a really cool conversation either there was some frustration level at the teach you know so i part of this is snarky but part of it is not are we trying to get rid of regrouping? Is that a, is that a skill that that 
No. You're just trying to learn a different way. Trying to understand why we cross this out and make this put a one over here. You're trying to understand the why. Because when you put that when you put that down, yeah. Um, my brain automatically took 300. Mm-hmm. I knew that because I was subtracting more than 150, my answer was going to be less than 150, and I did that seven to three thing. Okay, and got 143. Cool. But I was thinking just now when you were talking. You know, if I had 300 and I'm going to take 100 away, so now I've got 200 minus 57, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take 200, take away 50, that's 150 minus 7, mm-hmm. and that's a lot easier for me to have, figure out 143. Why the heck do we teach it the other way? So Because that makes sense now. I mean, that's a quick way for me to do it. Now it's three steps, and you know, I'm taking this chunk, then this chunk, then this chunk. Look at what you've done because we've been having number talks yeah, for the man, last year, man. But so I you. So what if I said three hundred and twenty nine or three hundred and twenty seven minus one hundred and eighty nine? Those are a lot of digits to keep in your head. Yeah. And so the best strategy for solving that problem is probably to write it down and regroup. So subtraction with regrouping came about because it's an efficient strategy. The problem with it is that. If you don't understand why it works or when it's best to use it, and see that's the that's the battle. I guess what I'm thinking is what you guys are pushing, understanding all the small concepts and all the building blocks are definitely super important for math teachers. But I don't always understand why they are super important for Sammy the third grader. That that's 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 where I guess that's the whole Getting at my whole question today was, you know, I completely understand that, that math teachers need to know it inside out, every direction, so that they can help that student who doesn't understand this concept but can get it thinking this way. I think for me today, the, the main reason is it helps you avoid mistakes. Knowing, knowing it in more in greater depth and all the little parts helps you avoid mistakes of misapplication. Right. Taking some algorithm that you've learned it somewhere and applying it incorrectly to some other thing. Um, if you have some, if you've built number sense through all of these steps. Yeah. And Here's an example. Like, I know that I'm going to cross it out and go nine, 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 ten. Like when you when you're subtracting across zeros, if you've just been taught nine, 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 ten. I've seen kids subtract across a number that's not a multiple of 10 or 100, like 327, I've seen them just go 9, 10. You know, like apply that zeros strategy to right. just any number. And if you've built understanding, you're more likely to avoid that stuff. Go ahead. So I, you just sent me into another mistake where you see the kid who goes 10, 10, 10, 9. Yeah. Because they just missed the rule right. a little bit. Yeah. I, I don't know what I was going to say before that when I Sorry. was going to, but then it just yeah. went right out of my head. Oh, bummer. I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Gotcha. So I don't know. There's, I, there's so many benefits to it, but I understand your question of how does that help Johnny, the third grader and yeah. To go back to my original question, I, ended up telling this particular teacher do it with 
just the pieces at first. She's she's teaching them regrouping. She she's not trying to teach them some other strategy. She's trying to teach them like model what the regrouping is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up telling her to go with that because as she was becoming more comfortable with it, that's what she wanted to do. She was like, forget the don't show me the algorithm at this point. I'm trying to understand it with the blocks. Show me with the blocks. Um, so. That I told her to go blocks first. And then, you know, I suggested the thinking concrete representational abstract, like move into drawing it second and then moving into the numbers. I think when I introduced the representational, she was like, oh, one more thing to learn, you know, and, and we weren't we weren't there yet. Um, so that's what I would do. All blocks, then all drawing, then all with the algorithm. Um but I think she was going to go all blocks and then then bring in the algorithm. So she, I checked in with her yesterday and she was like, oh, yeah, it went. It, she, was, she, felt positive, she felt good about how her very first lesson went. Minus the, uh, minus, minus the number <laughs> talk that kind of fell flat. And so she, but I'm proud of her for recovering it and going into addition. Right. All right, y'all. Ooh, JJ, we, we had a math battle today. <laughs> I don't know who won. Epic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who's got a takeaway? This could be uh, I think touchy. I think my takeaway have, I've been bringing up the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. You made us You made us defend our thinking, yeah. which I think right? yeah, And it wasn't meant to be combative. It was just I don't – I just was trying to figure out why it was so important. And you're asking the question that parents are asking. You're asking the question that – other teachers are asking, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not a new question. So it's good to try to, yeah, somebody out there who has got, had another answer that we didn't answer. Well, and at LCA, I talk about how when you learn to think about what you're doing and why it works and defend what you're doing, that's also preparing you to defend your faith, like just to be able to think about logically hmm. why this works. Right. Why do I believe what I believe? And if it's because my teacher told me to do this and this is the way my teacher told me, well, that doesn't stand up in the real world for why do you believe what you believe? On on, on so many things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so if a third grader can explain what they're doing, then that third grader is one step closer to being an adult who can explain why they feel what they feel or why they think rather than just because my mom told me to, or Mm -hmm. because this is what my husband thinks, or, you know, it's just kind of like, listen, I want to teach you not just to do math, but to know how to think yeah, and to be able to defend what you think. Right. So you gave us practice today to be able to defend what we think. Is that your takeaway? That was good. Because of me. (laughs) That's so true. JJ. Who? I think my takeaway is, that something to do with kindergarten number talks that it's um it's scary and it's going to be okay and just do it that's your takeaway yeah just Just do do it it. yeah all right i'll hopefully see you on a run ruth it's it's been time two weeks since we've run because we might have to mike was like are you going to be able to run you may not remember how to run (laughs) i know where to go you get lost yeah but i have been doing stairs oh you mean like, like carrying house? stuff up and down your stairs? Oh, yeah, like 65 flights of stairs yesterday. Dang, Gina. Wow. Well, well done. You're probably going to smoke me on Monday. <laughs> All right, see you on a run. All right, bye. Bye.